Andrew Rappaport's Rap Report is a podcast providing biblical interpretations and applications. It is a ministry of striving for eternity and part of the Christian podcast community. We provide a biblical view of cultural events, discuss how to apply God's word to the Christian life, address issues that concern the church, and we even take some time to offer a correct understanding of those commonly misinterpreted passages of scripture. You will hear from great guests like Justin Peters, Todd Friel, Jay Warren Wallace, and Gabe Hughes. Andrew has the Rap Report Daily, which is a two-minute Monday through Friday podcast, and then the longer Rap Report podcast for more content. Subscribe to both today by searching for Rap Report on any podcast app, spelled R-A-P-P Report, or click the podcast link at strivingforeternity.org. If you're a socialist and you want Christians to be socialists, what's the best way to get them to do that? Because they're not going to naturally want to do that. Tell them it's part of the gospel. Tell them mm. it's a gospel issue. Tell them if they don't do it, they're not real Christians. Uh, then they are forced to do it. They, <laughs> there's no, uh, right. I think, more compelling motivation for people than religion. Than, yeah. uh, and especially if there's a systems of rewards and punishments beyond them that they'll be held accountable for, that motivates people to do certain things. And so that becomes a mechanism or an engine by which uh, people who are already imp- impacted by this, these new left ideas are able to utilize the resources of Christians uh, and then morally justify it, that, that this hmm. is somehow a, a good thing because this is in keeping with Christ and, and what he wants. I think the reason that social justice is brought into the church is because it's a good way to get Christians to uh, to use the engine that Christians have, all their resources towards a political end. So if you can justify political engagement on in a certain way uh, on the basis of it being a gospel issue or part of the gospel, then Christians mm-hmm. have to do it. They're compelled. They can't not do it. Uh, otherwise, they're not really Christians. Right. And so it, uh, it, it's a it's a big motivator. And you see this with the biographies of the early social justice uh, leaders who brought this into Christianity. They all got their ideas from universities maybe high school, uh, Mm -hmm. SDS, places outside of the church, and then they brought it in the church. It never goes the other way. And just like today, it starts, in my experience, in the seminaries, and then it makes Mm -hmm. its way to the pulpits, not the other way. You never find a social justice movement starting in a true biblical church. It just doesn't happen. It has to come in and subvert over time. Welcome to Thoroughly Equipped, podcast for women, where we compare the popular women's ministry teachings, books, conferences, Bible studies, etc., to scripture. Our focus is 2 Timothy 3, 16-17, that all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so the man or woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I'm your host, Malbatos. May this episode bless you and bring glory to God. Hello, ladies. Welcome to another episode of TE. If you are new, welcome. I have a special treat for you today as I got the chance to interview John Harris from the Conversations That Matter YouTube channel. I had read both of his books, Christianity and Social Justice, and um, Social Justice Goes to Church, both which are 
incredibly informative on the social gospel and the social justice movement. I've also been a subscriber to his channel for a while, and it's been a great resource in helping me identify how both are entering the church sphere today. So I wanted to bring him in to tea to talk about what the social gospel is, where it stems from, and how it connects to what we're seeing going on nowadays in society, uh, the whole social justice movement. If you want to dive into this issue as well, I suggest you pick up his book and check out his channel. They are really just some great resources. Links will be in the show notes. It was a great honor to meet Mr. Harris, and I'm really thankful he had a chance to come on and talk about this with me. So, without further ado, here is my interview with John Harris. Okay, I just want to welcome John Harris to Thoroughly Equipped. It is such an honor to interview John, especially on this topic. I know you're very knowledgeable, so it's going to be very helpful to discuss uh, social gospel and the social justice issue, especially as we are looking at If Arise and the um, topic specifically on justice and how that is kind of sneaking in this kind of woke ideology and social gospel theology into the church. And so I just want to really just thank you for coming on. Um, so I'm just gonna, before we dive into my really, really tough questions for you, <laughs> I'd like to find out how you got started with Conversations That Matter and how you got it even into um, studying uh, social gospel and social justice. So it's Conversations That Matter, uh, I don't know why I came up with that name. My wife didn't even like it, but it's what stuck. So uh, that was in like, I think late 2018 um, when, or maybe my first, I'm trying to think my first like kind of breakout episode was January, 2019. And I wasn't expecting it to go uh, viral as much as it did. And, and, and it's mini viral. It's in the Christian world, but mm -hmm. uh, I made a, a podcast about Southeastern Baptist theological seminary. And um, before that I, I did write things down. I would actually have spurts. Sometimes it would be years and I wouldn't write anything. And then I'd have like a, a one month or two month or three month or sometimes even up to a year like time where I just be writing a lot and or, mm. or making little videos here or there. Um, and so this was another one of those. I just started uh, thinking, you know, I need an outlet to share some of the thoughts that I have. And um, a podcast is easier than writing just because I was in grad school at the time and I was running a business and I didn't have a lot of time. Mm. And talking is, is easier than writing. So yeah. <laughs> um, so I started one and uh, yeah, and, and the rest is history, I guess. I mean, I just had my cell phone and uh, I sat in the corner, like the, the one corner I could find in my room that had like okay lighting and it, it was my wife's laundry room actually. And yes, I've seen I, some of your old stuff. Yeah, yeah going back 13 right now, years almost. It, it, yeah. it, I'm not in a laundry room now, but I'm, I'm kind of like in this corner, this, this back office where if you saw, if my camera panned, you just see like a whole bunch of storage things. So it's like a storage <laughs> room right now. Um, and, and it's always been this way. And I like it this way. I, I don't want like a professional studio. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't want, I, I never intended it to be that. I, I always wanted it to be, I'm just John. Like I'm not, 
some uh, slick personality on the media or uh, you shouldn't listen to what I have to say because of the mm -hmm. aesthetic of it, but what, what you should uh, judge it on its merits, whether it's true or not. So the second part of your question, though, social justice, um, that came about because that first video that got a lot of traction was a video um, concerning social justice intrusions into Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. And because, give me a timeline for this, because this is before 2018, 2019, what has transpired in the Southern Baptist, right? This oh, is absolutely. several years before. Well, I was talking about things that go back right. years. Uh, I mean, I, I, I did see some of it when I got there in 2014. 2017 is where it really ramped up, though, after Donald Trump's election. Mm -hmm. um, the Before, I didn't know how to quite make sense of it, to be honest. It was like. I noticed in chapel that we would have a lot of uh, black speakers, which is fine, obviously, but it was um, many of them weren't Southern Baptists and many of them were talking about like the black experience. And and it was just odd to me that that was such a focus. Um, a, a lot of the well, a lot of the preachers would preach, you know, exegetical messages on the scripture. And that's what we were there for. We were there to learn the scripture. I'm not saying you can't talk about anything right. outside of scripture, but but it was just odd that they had to have like an entire lecture series on like African American history and stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's, I mean, I go to grad school to hear that. I don't that that's, it's kind of weird seeing it here, but we didn't think a lot of it. My roommates, I remember, just kind of shrugged and were just like, yeah, I just kind of do homework or fall asleep or like I'm not <laughs> not listening to that because that's not why I came here. I'm sure some found it interesting. I found it somewhat interesting, but. Um, but that was the most I ever really saw. Uh, th there was a little bit of disdain for the American dream. And, and there was some, you know, that was that company, David Platt's radical. But it really wasn't until 2017 that it's like someone pushed a button and said, all right, guys, we're going to go. And, and, and at my seminary, they became about uh, stopping whiteness and mm -hmm. taking down monuments and supporting illegal migrants and um, opposing Donald Trump. And it, 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 and there was actually three statements in one semester. I remember fall 2017, either supported by heavily or, uh, or formed within the seminary against Donald Trump or the alt-right. And, wow. and it's like, it, even if you agree that that's a good thing or that they should do it, eight years of Obama, nothing. Yeah. And so, um, so, so that, that sense of that disproportionate, uh, reaction was what, prompted me to say something uh, mm -hmm. and and the suppression that I felt even in the classroom there um, I was I felt ostracized at times uh, for even suggesting uh, things like well maybe Christians shouldn't apologize for the Holocaust maybe uh, mm -hmm. you know m maybe we ought not pursue quote-unquote racial reconciliation in the way that it's being advocated maybe there's a, another way to uh, form unity and like you weren't allowed to have those opinions, at least if you did, professors, even if they agreed with you, would be very reluctant to publicly uh, commend you at all for that. And I, I just felt that students getting into it need to know what they're getting into, that mm -hmm. this is um, marketed as a mission school. And I'm sure there's a lot of missionaries coming out of there, but it's they are training community organizers slash activists. That's what's mm -hmm. that's just really what's going on. And I saw it in real time. I saw. Yeah, um, I remember one of my roommates. Uh, even uh, started off, you know, having this desire to be a pastor. And by the end of it, um, he was, and I don't know where he is now exactly, but he was, he was very conservative, 
and mm-hmm. he be, politically and he, he became way on the left and 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 having an axe to grind against the church too you know the church is so terrible the church yeah. is causing all these problems like electing donald trump and um so so that's i guess where the concern came from is what i was tangibly seeing on the ground i knew it was marxism i didn't know i didn't have all the vocabulary yet so i set forth to study that mm. and i got a graduate degree at liberty university uh, or studied hi- history and that my, my thesis was on this topic and wow. the, the book that you read social justice goes to church most of that is my thesis there's some things that aren't but uh, mm-hmm. it's it's the research that i did for that that went into that book um, and what i found actually fascinated me i wasn't planning on studying that era of history but it was it, it was a, an area that has not been looked at very deeply and the people who have looked at it are all on the left yeah. not one person i can think of from the right has actually approached that issue historically i think my book is the only book that um i mean you have you have books on the other side like you have jesus and john wayne and you have you know it seems like every year there's another book that comes out condemning white evangelicals quote unquote usually that's the term they'll use right and mine is probably one of the few that says you know what let's put the other side under the microscope the other side meaning the more progressively minded uh, uh christians who are on the left and and what I found was that there's a lot of heresy in this mm-hmm. uh, th- this camp. Um, th- the most notable one is the social gospel, as you pointed out, mm-hmm. and and that's their main issue. They don't have the true Jesus. They don't have the true gospel. They don't, and they think they do. They think they have the authentic versions of right. these things, and and the true church has lost them. And it's just not the case. It's yeah. Um, in, in some ways, it's like arguing with a Mormon or something. Like they think they have the true revelation and the true church, and you're the one who's wrong. And uh, it's more of a cult. So yeah. Yeah, so um, I think one of the things uh, women don't actually realize um, is that a lot of this kind of um, teaching enters first through the seminaries, right? And so that's where you're seeing right. it. You're, you're seeing it in the seminaries, the um, men who will be pastors and, you know, some more liberal seminaries, women who will go into ministry uh, talking about justice and, yeah, that... Um, what I really see is this idea of the whole gospel. That's that's the yeah. prominent discussion and vocabulary being used, that justice itself is the gospel. It's part of it. And, and in essence, there's a little bit of a truth to that, because if you get justice right, everybody is held accountable by God's law. And we will be under God's wrath if we don't have Jesus Christ. But the news, the good news itself, you know, you have the bad news to bring the good news, um, is not about uh, justice, but about Christ's righteousness for you. Mm, That's right. Um, So, and that's where uh, I think I'm starting to realize, looking at the, the conflation of, uh, the social gospel and specifically social uh, justice with the gospel is just law and gospel or law is part of the gospel, which, you know, if we, if we're not right, rightly taught good doctrine and good theology, that there's a, there's a difference. There's the good news 
And then there's the law. We're not saved by the law. But um, that's going off in a little bit of a different tangent. Um, But I do want to uh, talk about, okay, um, your book, Social Justice Goes to Church, goes into the history. You talk about Walter Rauschenbusch. I can't ever pronounce his name right. No, that's good. Um, Yeah. 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 um, And who is one of the real founders of the social gospel back in the, I think it was the early 1900s, right? Mm -hmm. Correct. Yeah. And um, there are other men, uh, I think uh, Washington Gladden is one. And, um, but so get into just a little bit of the history of the social gospel and, and then tell us what it is. Yeah, this, I mean, I think you you correctly identified that's the most prominent figure would be Walter Rauschenbusch who popularized this. There were others, but uh, he became enamored with Fabian socialism, which we know as uh, progressivism in the United States. This idea mm-hmm. that we'll have socialism, but not through an immediate revolution, but through changes that take place over time and uh, the march through the institutions. And so uh, Walt, Rauschenbusch saw this and he thought, wow. Uh, this is great. We need this. But in America, it's really hard to market socialism because Americans, they think that it's tied to atheism and it's connected to debauched living Mm -hmm. and they're not going to go for either one of those things. And so um, one of the terms that was used, and by the way, there were other terms at the time, not to go down a rabbit troll hole. One of the terms was Christian nationalism, believe it or not. Oh, wow. uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it was uh, that was a, a term that was used to try to market socialism to Americans because if you could say, hey, it's Christian and it's nationalistic, aren't those good right. things? Yeah. Uh, but Rauschenbusch uh, used the term social justice uh, often. And and of course, social gospel comes out of that, mm-hmm. that uh, he wrote a number of books on this. He was a Baptist uh, professor from upstate New York, uh, and he he thought that we had given up or, or forgotten or lost the true gospel right uh, in its purity and we were we had this individual gospel that saved man's soul but we didn't have anything that was addressing the needs of the poor and mm-hmm. uh, the social issues of the day and so he he believed the gospel uh, could be applied to this and uh, and that ended up being the social gospel, but it's all works. It's all right. actions that Christians take and some of them very noble and charitable, but they're just not the gospel. So it's a category uh, issue that has now seeped into uh, a number of other areas. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. was very mm-hmm. impacted by Walter Rauschenbusch. Right. Um, you have, uh, and I'm not going to say every stream of socialism was impacted by this, but certainly the term social justice, which was made most popular by Rauschenbusch, uh, has made its way into just about every iteration of social justice. So it's kind of ironic that even some of these raging atheists, right, are actually using a term that was that was coined Baptist, by a Christian. Yeah, yeah coined by a Christian, a Christian to sell socialism to yeah. Christians. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, do you notice, because I have read, uh, or I am in the middle of reading his theology, Walter Rauschenbaum's uh, a theology on social justice. Um mm-hmm. Um, have you noticed, which I haven't yet, uh, this talk equating the social justice with, uh, worldly reconciliation, because that's a big thing. And if arise, there's this talk, not necessarily racial reconciliation, but that it is the job of the church to reconcile 
the world, reconcile men to each other. Have you noticed that kind of um, talk in hit in the early writings? Um, I'm trying to remember now. Uh, that wasn't one of my focuses. I've I'll say I've noticed that today, oftentimes one of the strategy uh, strategies that social justice advocates use in the church is to try to say that Christ reconciling things to himself. Uh, and this kind of extending the atonement to mm-hmm. um, systems and and then not uh, things other than human souls, corporate entities, um, right. the world itself, the planet, the environmental movements, big on this, that that's, uh, that's part of social justice. That's part of a Christian's duty. But you might actually, I mean, at this point, it sounds like you're reading Rauschenbusch. Maybe you're noticing something I didn't. So mm-hmm. um, I'd be curious. So what, 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 what does he say it is? Worldly reconciliation. I- I haven't seen uh, the term that kind of term being brought up because right now I'm reading him and um, Washington Gladden, and it's more the term love. So they are looking at um, like the the law of love, and right. um, so there's an equa- an equation of not necessarily what we would think as justice, and this I clearly see you clearly see it in a rise. They conflate justice and compassion. Right. And you're going to come up with major problems if you do that. We're going to talk about what biblical justice, I'm going to ask you (laughs) to talk about biblical justice. But um, when you conflate the two, the law of love and justice, they're just, they're they're different things. Um, And because of that, there's this kind of amalgamation of using the term, the law of love to bring about reconciliation that it is now the job of, in Arise's case, the women. In, in in the church catholic to go out and to bring reconciliation between you know racial uh reconciliation or right. um poor with um those in power reconciliation between there and 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 that's done through acts of compassion instead of actual real biblical justice um one of the things uh that's it's not <laughs> pertinent to our conversation but one of the things that's very clear is arise at and no way um talks about god's law so mm. here's one of the things um i know i'm going off on a little bit of a tangent no, but we'll, let's go back you're educating um, me yes um so you just i recently just watched which i suggest anybody listening to this go back in conversations that matter uh the youtube channel and sometime uh, i think it was about a year ago you talk about the um social justice vocabulary you list a bunch of words that is used and has a different meaning than what we normally would think of in the church. Right. Um, and one of them is the image of God. And actually, that's your first one. And that's the first thing that Arise focuses on is instead of justice being equi- uh, equated with or uh, related to God and his attributes and specifically the law, um, they they want to go directly to the image of God that everybody is made in dignity um, and that everybody just and that's true. Right. But the image of God is place for they don't even define what that means. And that's one of the things that you talk about in yeah. your uh, podcast, defining the image of God. And I, I'm trying to remember what you said. The image of God was it's just uh, equality for everybody. Yeah, they, 
it, it, so Russell Moore actually just did this in an article that was put out, I think, last week on, um, I think it's called on Tucker Carlson and the fear of being replaced. And, uh, and, and he's one of the main culprits who does this, but uh, he'll take the idea of, of the image of God and he'll say, he'll accuse Christians of denying it somehow if they want to, let's say, have strong border security mm -hmm. or you know, they want, they, they champion some right-wing uh, cause that it, so it's a fundamental attack on their moral structure. It's saying that they are anti-Christian because uh, not only are their policies bad, um, but he doesn't even go into the arguments of why their policies are bad. It's just uh, shutting them down by saying that, well, they, they deny that man's even made in God's image. Mm -hmm. And um, so, so it, it is an egalitarian kind of equality a flatlining equality right. uh, that people mean often in the social justice camp when they talk about the image of God, because it, because it's, it's almost always employed towards some kind of a social cause that's going to bring about in their minds uh, some state of affairs where people are more equal and have more access to things and are more, uh, there's more privilege that's shared and, and, and these kinds of arrangements. And if you, so, so it, it's a, on a social level, if you, don't want those arrangements, then you're individually denying some the image of God in some right. way, um, right. which is it, it's insane if you think about it, just because the image of God itself um, is a it's a statement about what separates man from the animal kingdom and from the rest of creation. That man man's made in God's image. That's why you can't murder right. man. That's so there there are certain things that you can't do to violate man, but coming up with a state of equality of some kind. I mean, I mean, in theory, you could do that with animals. I suppose they can right. enjoy equality among each other. Uh, you could figure out a way to arrange that, but, but that, that has nothing to do with them being, they're not made in the image of God because some kind of a, a social equality has been achieved. Um, so anyway, um, yeah, there's much more, I guess that could be said about it, but it's, it, it fundamentally, is a, an attack on the natural hierarchies that God has baked into the fabric of creation. Right. And they're trying to take the image of God and man's nature and being made that and, and, and oppose the way that God set up man to function in this world. Those are two entirely mm -hmm. different things. Right. Yeah. So then you have people working towards justice to create it, like you said, egalitarianism, and that's uh, we see that really bigly, or really largely, uh, even among roles. Um, like women have to be equal in roles that way; otherwise, you're not showing them dignity or honor um, or um, power structures as well. Yeah. Like if you don't give up your power, or if you're not giving up your privilege, then you are not showing dignity. That's one of the things that we see and arise as well. This idea that power is the real issue. And the sin of injustice is using your power in a wrong way. And that has a bit of truth, but that it's not not based on God's law. It's, yeah, what would what would yeah. Paul be? I mean, is he denying the image of God when he says, uh, you know, wives submit to your husbands, children obey your parents, slaves submit to your masters. Right. Uh, you know, c citizens are supposed to obey the ones in authority over them. I mean, what does that all mean uh, if... Is that a denial of the image of God? Those are all unequal relationships. And we live today with all of those relationships still. And and you might say the slavery thing, not so much, um, but we have labor relationships. That's the point. We still have yeah. that. That'll never go away. That's baked into the fabric of creation. 
Right. So you can never um you can never eliminate these things. And if you try to eliminate them, you're gonna find out tyranny pops up somewhere else. And, oh, and yep. you you create an artificial uh situation where a hierarchy is going to emerge, but it's not gonna be uh it's gonna be a less beneficial kind of hierarchy. So um people who who say these kinds of things, I think are setting us up for tyranny. That's been my thesis for a long time that once you start trying to um, get rid of these involuntary or voluntary associations and uh, you think that the government's going to come in and make every sure everything's equal, you're just setting up the biggest inequality that can exist. It's the government and then it's all of us. Mm-hmm. And so it's like you, you haven't is that denying the image of God? Apparently not. <laughs> In their right. minds, that's not denying the image of God. But, you know, all the other hierarchies are somehow. Yeah. Um, one of the things if arise in in relation to that is um, they say justice is basically uh, placing somebody in their right status. And mm. um, so to have the right status, of course, everybody's made in the image of God. Everybody, they also state that everybody is a child of God. Um, so that's a misunderstanding of the biblical uh, distinction between a God, child of God and the rest of humanity. And but because of that, it's restoring them to this righteous stand, uh, righteous status. And to do that, of course, you have to eliminate disparities. And you got to get rid of racial uh, or you got to work towards racial reconciliation. You got to work towards ending slavery. And these are all good things. The problem is how they go about doing it and and totally neglecting God's law in the process, because that just leaves it open to, like you said, government intervention, things like that. So uh, that was a great segue into then talking about uh, what is then the difference between, and you 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 talked about it a little bit, social justice and biblical justice. So that's something that um, I think would be very helpful to um, bring to listeners, to people's mind, to understand the difference. Yeah. Uh, okay. So social justice is um, simply put, and this would apply to every iteration of it, every version of it, is a scheme in which uh, equality or equity, inclusion, diversity, so that's the terms that are used now, but some version of egalitarian equality is achieved through a central authority of some kind, usually Mm -hmm. it's the government, uh, taking out, really, or eliminating somehow, downsizing these institutions that supposedly foster create uh and uh, achieve the the inequality around us mm-hmm. practically speaking what that looks like is uh people aren't playing their employers enough the government needs to come in and set minimum wage right or maybe we just need to get rid of employers and everyone yeah. should just work for the government right that's a a milder versus a more extreme form mm-hmm. so these are all th- those would be social justice kind of things now this this gets into all kinds of movements blm movement today the me too movement today would be both examples of social justice movements there's environmental movements and in in each of these cases uh, the whole idea is through some centralized collective action 
to uh, stop these mediating institutions that are creating the disparities. So in uh, in the BLM, it's white people. In Me Too, it's toxic masculinity. In the environmental movement, it's capitalism. It's these mm -hmm. these are engines for producing in their minds all the the ills and the problems that we have around us, and everything gets reduced to that. So it's very ideological. It's very reductionistic. Um, but the the end goal is taking away the disparities, making everything equal so no one has anything over anyone else. Or in the case of environmentalism, I guess we and the animals don't we're, we're equal uh, or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, ver so, so, so social justice um, is very different than what, the way that uh, mishpat, which is the Hebrew word for justice, is used in scripture. Uh, oftentimes, social justice thinkers will just take verses that talk about in the importance of justice or equity, and then they will infuse within them all these these meanings that are more modern. Mm -hmm. But biblically speaking, when you see the word justice, it's talking about giving everyone their due. And this is probably most clearly exemplified in places like Exodus chapter 23, yeah. where you have a list of people that Israel was, uh, individuals within Israel were not supposed to favor. Uh, they were not supposed to favor a poor man in a dispute just because mm -hmm. he's poor, right? That would actually go against social justice. We should be calculating whether a guy, you know, if they're too poor and maybe there's been forces outside of their control that have caused them to be this way, then we should uh, adjust for that. We should have some kind of an action that takes from those who have and gives to those who have not. Uh, so whether that's redistribution of privilege or money or whatever, but uh, taking down his the monuments and street names to his ancestors and putting up yeah. the street names to others, you know, that, that all of these things are forms of redistribution to achieve this equity, hmm. uh, this outcome. Um, but, you know, biblically, what it is, is you you actually you look at everyone based upon uh whether or not they have sinned and they have a punish punishment due them or whether or not they have done something righteous or or you owe them something mm -hmm. uh, because you've wronged them. And and so you're looking at people as individuals uh, who are, are made again, God made in God's image, but you're not you're not seeing all these exterior um, labels that end up adjusting the way you treat them in a court of law. Mm -hmm. uh, so. This does not mean that there aren't national distinctions. And we just talked about that. There's hierarchies. There's There are things that God baked into the fabric of creation. Obviously, those things exist. So this doesn't eliminate those. Um, but what it does is it, it organizes human society in such a way that uh, order is achieved through human beings applying God's law correctly to situations where sin has occurred. Right. Right. Uh, and 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 so uh, the the good analogy for biblical justice is Lady Justice, uh, who's blindfolded. Lady Justice doesn't care if you're someone's brother or if you're someone's if you're if you're rich or if you're uh, you belong to the same country club or uh, you you're, you 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 both go to the same mom's group and your kids play together. Lady Justice doesn't care about those things. Mm -hmm. Lady Justice only cares about did you follow God's law or did you break God's law. If you violated God's law and there's a penalty, I don't care who you are, you owe that penalty. You have justice must be served right. and it will carry forward despite circumstances. Um, social justice 
is against all that. Social justice says, no, you got to make a calculation. Is it a white male? Well, I guess punish them. If it's uh, even if they didn't do anything, uh, if, right. if it's someone who's, uh, let's say, a black female, well, let's do the intersectional scorecard. Uh, doesn't matter if they broke the law uh, because uh, they're justified in doing so because they're at a certain power level in the social dynamics. So that's that's maybe a longer answer. If you want, no. I can try to make it shorter. But that's <laughs> no. that's a thorough answer, hopefully. Oh, no, that um actually gave me a, another question that I hadn't thought of before. I mean, uh, we we kind of see in in Romans, you know, the purpose of the government is to um, punish the wicked, punish the evildoers. And, and justice is most certainly part of that. Um, based on God's law. And, and um, so my question then is, how is it then that they start to see uh, when we see, especially when we look at Exodus and the other justice um, uh, verses that they like to quote, they're in context in relation to the government and the king um, bringing justice. I think of uh, Proverbs 31. I think it's where he talks about doing justice and he's talking to the king. So it's a government kind of role. Why then is it that they kind of bring the church into that? Why do they see that this is something that the church should be very active in? Uh, Not that church can't show compassion and, um, you know, help people in times of need, but they make it a church issue, and therefore, then they equate in 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 that also it's a gospel issue. So maybe yeah, help yeah. me with that. Well, it's like I said with Walter Auschenbusch; he first went to England and learned Fabian socialism. It's a political movement that has been brought into Christian circles. So, okay. it's think about it this way: um, if you're a socialist and you want Christians to be socialists. What's the best way to get them to do that? Because they're not going to naturally want to do that. Tell them it's part of the gospel. Tell them mm. it's a gospel issue. Tell them if they don't do it, they're not real Christians. Uh, then they are forced to do it. They, <laughs> there's no, uh, right. I think, more compelling motivation for people than religion. Than, yeah. uh, and especially if there's a systems of rewards and punishments beyond them that they'll be held accountable for, that motivates people to do certain things. And so that becomes a mechanism or an engine by which uh, people who are already impacted by this, these new left ideas are able to, um, to, to, to utilize the resources of Christians uh, and then morally justify it, that that Hmm. this is somehow a a good thing because this is in keeping with Christ and, and what he wants um, and, and this is something that I know you said you read Social Justice Goes to Church. You see this with pretty much every major figure, whether it's Wes Granberg, Michelson or um, Tim Keller or uh, uh, really any of them. Um, I'm trying to think of the names now. Sharon Gallagher, um, Jim Wallace, right? Uh, all right. The John Perkins. I mean, the list goes, goes on and on and on. All these early thinkers uh, who brought this into evangelicalism. They didn't start in the Bible. They started in the church. They didn't like sit there in the pew one day and think, you know, this is what justice is. They first went to high schools and universities and uh, and they were part of places like SDS. I think the reason that social justice is brought into the church is because it's a good way to get Christians to uh, to use the engine that Christians have all their resources towards 
a political end. So if you can justify political engagement on in a certain way uh, on the basis of it being a gospel issue or part of the gospel, then Christians mm-hmm. have to do it. They're compelled. They can't not do it. Uh, otherwise, they're not really Christians. Right. And so it, uh, it, it's a it's a big motivator. And you see this with the biographies of the early social justice uh, leaders who brought this into Christianity. They all got their ideas from universities, maybe high school, uh, Mm -hmm. SDS, places outside of the church. And then they brought it in the church. It never goes the other way. And just like today, it starts, in my experience, in the seminaries, and then it makes Mm -hmm. its way to the pulpits, not the other way. You never find a social justice movement starting in a true biblical church. It just doesn't happen. It has to come in and subvert over time. Right. I think um, one of the uh, fundamental things is just an idea to uh, to to bring about morality or the underlying teaching that people part of being holy is uh, major compassion and and producing justice. And it's the church's job to do that. And it's an undermining of really the uh, sufficiency of scripture and and where I see it most uh, with vocab like you mentioned in your uh, video on the social justice vocab is this idea of the kingdom of God and and I know um uh, Washington Gladden talks about the kingdom of God uh, quite a bit and in bringing about uh in exercising the law of love and then using political means in bringing about the the kingdom of god and equality and and you know stuff like that so right yeah 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 um, absolutely yeah it, it's <laughs> king the, the, even jim will also say the gospel of the kingdom to try to distinguish yeah. it from the the individual gospel he'll he'll say the 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 gospel that uh, all Christians have always believed but that's not the the true gospel the true gospel is the gospel of the kingdom wherein right. we change the social arrangements now i don't know um how much you know but this goes very much into progressive i mean progressive christianity and woke ideology and the kingdom of god are just mutual they're all right. tied together um so but that is a kind of blanket in your face. A lot of people understand, um, might look at people who are um, outright just talking about critical race theory and social justice. We might be able to say, okay, that's red flags, right. but it's really the sneaky, sneaky things um, that yep. come in, like you said, in the seminary and it comes in with just pulling at the heartstrings and the desire to please God especially among women because we are compassionate and we're empathetic and sometimes uh sinful in our empathy but um well neglecting all the truth um mm-hmm. but this is where uh maybe you could help us see a little bit um like warning signs of it entering into uh, your church or I uh, know you're not you're not pervy to women's ministry mm-hmm. as you probably don't attend women's conferences or things like no. that but <laughs> you could probably see where it kind of starts and the seeds start to root into a church what are some warning signs for a woman that we need to to be mm-hmm. aware of when it enters 
Well, I'm going to say, Melissa, you probably know more about this with in regards to women ministries than I do, just because I don't really read a lot of um, women's devotionals or, or watch women's conferences. Uh, I, I actually do want to do a little bit of that just so I can have a better handle on it. So I, I'll answer the question a little more generally, but I think it applies to women as well. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, there are subtle things, I think you're right, that you will notice uh, that um, I think if you think back to 2020, you know, that's probably a time when you would have seen it the most exposed. Now, it doesn't mean that that won't happen again in the same way, or it doesn't mean it's not happening now. I've, I get messages all the time from people mm -hmm. that say, well, it's hitting us now. Um, and, and, and what it is, is subtle shifts in authority. That That's one of the first things I think that uh, it's not enough where Christians to open their Bible and get an answer from scripture on things, they need something else they need. Right. And, and, and here's the thing, like we, th this gets tricky because obviously um, I'm sure Melissa, you have books behind you on your shelf that uh, are helpful in understanding the Bible. You probably use commentaries right. and things. And, and that's not what I'm talking about. Um, it, it's, it, it becomes like a necessity. Like you must have, uh, it's not just helpful tools. It's you have a deficient understanding of scripture or some scriptural principle, unless mm -hmm. you have, let's say, the black perspective or the woman perspective, or mm -hmm. uh, you you you, you got to get yourself in this Middle Eastern Jewish perspective first, and then you can truly understand it. And oftentimes, it, it, what they mean by that is uh, it, it's some kind of leftist infused uh, understanding that scholars or sociologists have come up with. To represent those demographics it's not actually mm. those demographics yeah. um and it's so they can shame people who don't want to go along with that or refuse to look at those things one of the concrete examples i can point to that happened a lot in 2020 is pastors who would hold entire services or multiple services where they weren't preaching they were just hosting a conversation between them mm -hmm. and let's say some minority congregants and asking yep. them about police brutality and these kinds of things and giving a voice to the voiceless is what I hear a lot. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We mm -hmm. just got to give them a voice. Right. They don't have yeah. like in, in the in the country in which there's been more charitable work done than any country in the history of the world. There's more organizations for those kinds of things and advocacy groups politically. I mean, we, we have more of that than we've ever had in the entire history of humankind. <laughs> right. And yet there's this. Uh, we just don't have a voice for the voiceless. Right. And it's an undermining of a, of sufficiency of scripture if you're bringing it into the church because then you're saying, you know, they have a different voice. And I know you've talked about this a yeah. lot, um, that they have, you know, the black perspective or the Asian perspective. And we need that to better understand the scriptures. And then we also need that to know how to exercise justice or how to exercise compassion right. in the right way. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's, that's very, one subtle way. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. or, or if you hear your pastor say, uh, we need the whole gospel or that's just yeah. half the gospel or, um, starting applying the gospel to things that aren't the gospel, uh, that's a good sign that something's happening that, that might not be good. Right. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you, some of the catchphrases are helpful. Voice of the, giving voice to the voiceless could be that one. You know, you define what they mean by that. Mm -hmm. uh, when you start 
talking about um, in the Me Too movement, and maybe this would be more relevant uh, for women in, in yep. particular, but uh, this idea that we need trauma-informed counseling or we need um, these abused abused perspectives. I'm not sure right. what he would even call that exactly, but the, the survivors need to speak. Uh, in, 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 and we just have this posture of listening and pastors don't aren't really thoroughly equipped unless the survivors come and inform them. Mm -hmm. That's the same kind of thing, but it's running along a different channel. It's coming in through the Me Too yeah. stuff. Um, one of the things that uh, uh, you helped me see is this uh, you used in the, also, again, I keep going back to this, the vocabulary episode you did is so helpful. Servant leadership um, applies to that Me Too. I see it um, in the movement, this idea that servant le leadership is more, um, like you said, it's kind of um, reducing leadership to only hearing those the voice of the voiceless and being willing to hear what they have to say about how to exercise uh, justice and then kind of complying to it, including it instead of, okay, as a servant, I am called as a servant and a leader, especially a man, um, the elders and the church to exercise God's or not exercise God's law, but to um, to to bring God's law to the situation, to bring God's word to the situation and especially bring the gospel to the situation. And that's just really kind of just poo pooed or put under. Uh, the rug. It's not important. Um, servant leadership is upheld. And then it's it's just twisted. It's completely twisted. It's not what we see in Ephesians at all. Um, but anyway, yeah, so I thought that was very that that applies to what you were just saying about including um, all the discussion and the Me Too and and all that. It's prevalent so is there anything yeah. else that you see uh that might be a warning sign man you know I, I feel like there's probably a lot of examples that i'm just they're not coming to my mind right now i mean there you could say certain books and publications if you see them showing up if there's books mm -hmm. by thabiti hanabwile or russell mm -hmm. moore or tim keller uh that that's kind of a at least a, a yellow flag at the very least right. um those res those resources is where they mainly make their way in. Sometimes bad theology can come in through music, and you know, with the music thing, I I'm not listening to all the latest Christian songs or or anything. Mm -hmm. But um, I I asked a guy who is a Christian recording artist about this. I'm like, what do you think the how does social justice get in through music? And he That's said, it, it's it's wow. not it doesn't get in in a very overt way because they're not right. singing about well, usually <laughs> not Chandler's <laughs> troops, they are sometimes oh, singing really? about leveling the field and, and bringing about uh, the end of disparities. But um, but most of the time it ends up being just a hyper focus on bettering your emotional condition or your mm -hmm. um, usually it's emotional or your, your physical yep. condition. And, and it's it, it's a high that's supposed to be brought. So you're not focusing on the the glory, the character, the attributes of God, so much as you are focusing on yourself. And that self-focus mm -hmm. uh, definitely paves the way for the social justice thinking to start, because then yeah. 
what you do is you justify the entire existence of the church upon the fact that there's a social benefit to the church, that the church is serving the community. The church is helping people. The church is, mm-hmm. and th- those things are all true, but that's not the reason for the church. It doesn't justify the church's existence. The church exists uh, because people need to hear the word of God. They need to repent of their sins, put their trust in Christ, hear the gospel, and uh, and disciples need to be made. It's an engine mm-hmm. for manufacturing disciples if it's an engine for anything, not uh, for achieving some kind of human needs that could easily be achieved through, let's say, another kind of institution like a charity or a political organization. Hmm. Uh, Is that where and- you see the trauma kind of discussion coming yeah. into right okay yeah. I, I see a lot i just recently um we reviewed uh dr kurt thompson who is a psychotherapist and he he does he talks a lot about uh if includes him and talks a lot about uh being self-aware and um being being known so that you can go out and do your purpose or accomplish uh, reconciliation accomplished bringing in the kingdom again all under this guise of um you know subtle biblical terms but really social justice type um, um ideology underneath it if you really right. really dig in yeah so i think that's fascinating the connection between psychology and social justice and um, even critical race theory I, I, there's a connection there i have to do more digging but it's a very interesting. It's like you said, man-centered, yep. image-bearing, centered kind of uh, use in that. Uh, the term, the image of God mm-hmm. bearing, is not about uh, God and His and reflecting His attributes, but about just being made in dignity and then uh, equating self. I don't know how much you know about psych psychology and self-actualizing is almost like it's sanctification in a worldly perspective yeah you're you're being your best you you know best uh what is it joel olstein says your best life now and that is self yeah self although i have to say you know joel olstein i don't know if you saw he made an amazing tweet yesterday that was a completely 100 percent true (laughs) oh really (laughs) which was i was shocked and it was the true gospel He, he just made wow. a tweet yesterday yeah i don't know if i could pull it up but it was uh it it, it was strange um for to, to hear coming actually i i do have it right here let me I'll, this is totally out of left field i guess but he says when yeah, we're trying to good. make up for our sins what we're really saying is jesus didn't finish everything on the cross i've got to pay for this one the truth is your blood wouldn't do any good it was the spotless uh. sinless blood of the land that paid the price in full and i'm like amen joel like, yeah <laughs> kind of weird but <laughs> Um, um, is it kind of like, um, who do I think Todd white? I don't know if you know the whole uh, Todd, you know, anything about Todd white. He's very bit. charismatic. Yeah. Um, He's got the dreads, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And he repented once Justin Peter. Justin That's, I remember that. A, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> did a whole oh. thing. And it's, yeah, it's like, what's in a blue moon. They can <laughs> really speak truth or repent of their yeah. sins. And, um, you know, it's, it reminds me of the verse that we'd be thankful for those uh, who um, can can give the gospel, even if it's with, not that I say it, I know his motives, but his teaching is not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So getting it right. What's it? The term, um, a clock is right twice a day, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for, um, of course, again, being willing to come on. I'm going to wrap things up. 
um my pleasure as we as we close out i just want to say um number one to my listeners uh well, number one really is uh, thank you for allowing me to come on to your to your show, uh, to your podcast. Uh, and I've um, just been really grateful to be able to speak about women's ministry uh, and my concerns with it. I, I think um, it is a especially within the seeker sensitive uh, purpose driven theology, social justice has an easy in in that because if you start talking about your purpose you have to then say ask the question well what is my purpose and social just uh, social justice and social gospel can just come in and say well your purpose is to bring reconciliation it's your job to reconcile the world uh through acts of compassion and justice and um you know so it it really has tendrils in, in that in the seeker sensitive um, so I'm very grateful that you allowed me to come on and I'm so thankful that you have come on to, to talk about this, to make social justice, um, and social gospel more clear. Um, but, uh, before we go, could you just let us know how we can celebrate or how we can celebrate? well, sure. Celebrate you, uh, how we can, <laughs> how we can uh, support you. I do know you're going, you're, you're writing another book, correct? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. So what's, what's the deal with the new book? What's going on with that? Uh, it, well, yeah, the social justice books were more on the n- negative. They were talking about a problem that we have before us. And uh, we need a positive vision, though, for mm-hmm. what the, I've had a number of people come to me and say, well, OK, well, I understand that's wrong. So so what am I supposed to do about the poor? What am I supposed to do uh, about um, the po- politics and all of that? So. I'm trying to craft, um, it's not going to be comprehensive, but at least uh, a helpful, positive vision for Christians to uh, appeal to in um, the circumstances we find ourselves in socially. Mm. So, uh, so, so yeah, there's, it's a, <laughs> I keep thinking of things that I need to add that I'm like, this book, <laughs> it has to be digestible. I can't like have a huge long book. 500 um, pages. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. Right now I'm writing on um, creative outside the box ways for states and local municipalities to resist tyranny that's coming from mm. the, the center and uh, ways that people, Christians in particular, haven't thought of or don't don't realize exist that they can use. Um, and, and the point is, obviously, it, it's not I, I'm not doing what the social justice guys do, infusing any of this with the gospel. But um, there are practical mechanisms here in the real world that we can use to uh, maintain religious freedom and to right. carve out a, a place for the church to operate in a way in which it's not going to be molested. And, um, mm-hmm. and and that's the whole point is to uh, make sure that the church is still the church and uh, that and, and the church won't ever stop being the church. But we, right. we certainly want to have laws that will be conducive to evangelism, discipleship. Right. Uh, and, and just laws. We want we want yeah. the government to follow Jesus as much as possible. So um, that that's a little bit of it. But I, I haven't really finished. I don't know exactly where it's going to end up. And that's like okay. me with, with a lot of books. I, I, <laughs> I sometimes start in the middle of the book. I don't even start sequentially. Oh, yeah. So. so, OK, well, we could pray for you in that way. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah. Um, but I also know that you will uh, be speaking at a conference uh, coming yeah. up, too. I bet um, there's a few, yeah. There's yeah, one in DeForest, oh, okay. Wisconsin, June 10th. You can go to um, 
johnharrispodcast.com is the easiest one. And, and okay. all the speaking engagements are there. All right, great. So. And um, also, too, just so that, you know, I, I like to uh, keep, uh, you know, ministries like yours in prayer, ministries like Andrew Rappaport and Striving for Eternity mm-hmm. in Prayer and That's right. um, things like that. So um, did I hear you say that you're also still you're working on some kind of documentary? as well oh, there's a few of them actually right oh, now okay. yeah you're a busy man <laughs> very much yeah there's okay. uh they're in process but we're working okay. on uh the 1607 project 1607project.com um that's going to hopefully be helpful for homeschoolers especially and we're doing uh, a documentary on china you can go to mm-hmm. laststandstudios.org and find out a little bit more about that okay. um i'm definitely interested ones? in the 1607 one yes yeah. so keep keep us updated um, cause that would be yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, I don't think there's anything else again. Thank you for my pleasure, Melissa. <laughs> right. God bless. Yeah, you too. So ladies, I hope this discussion was helpful in understanding the history behind the social justice movement within the church and maybe give you some help in being able to discern this type of teaching as it's really entering churches just everywhere. And hopefully it's laid a foundation to where we are going to go next as I want to present to you the connection between social justice and critical race theory. And that way, when I present the remaining if critiques and its connections with such ministries such as Be the Bridge, you will be able to make the connections to the social gospel and the theology behind it. So, that's it for today. Until next time, I pray you are in His Word. Ladies, if you are interested in the transcript for this episode, you can go to ttew.org. You can find other great resources, articles, blogs, and videos that may bless you in your Christian walk as well as links to follow me on social media. If you wish to contact me, you can email me at thoroughlyequipped316 at gmail.com. Again, the website address is ttew.org. Thoroughly Equipped is part of Striving for Eternity's Christian podcast community. Striving for Eternity is a Christ-centered ministry focused on equipping people for eternity by assisting Christians to have an eternal perspective on life. They strive to bring evangelism, discipleship, apologetics, and Christian living together for the purpose of eternal preparation by exalting God, edifying and equipping the saints, and evangelizing the lost. They provide speakers, online articles, online courses, books, podcasts, and other theological resources, all centered on God's Word. To find out more, go to strivingforeternity.org. And to listen to other podcasts, go to podcast.strivingforeternity.org. I pray that their resources bless you as they have blessed me as we live our lives day by day, praising and glorifying God.